Welcome to Healthy Habits, Happy Moms Radio, where we are all about helping you find balance in food, fitness, and family 365 days a year with your hosts, Jennifer Campbell, Lauren Kosky, and Annie Breeze. joining us for another episode of Healthy Habits, Happy Moms Radio. On today's episode, we have a special guest, Jacqueline Stickle, who is a registered dietitian from Canada. From her work experience and journey into motherhood, Jacqueline has developed an interest in teaching others how to develop a healthy relationship with food. She believes parents, healthcare providers, and educators have an important role in raising children to be competent eaters into adulthood. On today's episode, Jacqueline shares five important elements to consider when evaluating your children's nutrition education and suggestions on what parents can do if they have concerns or want to become more involved. Enjoy. Ladies, welcome. We have a full house today. Jen, how are you doing? Really good. How are you, Annie? I'm good. What are you up to? What's going on? Well, I just dropped my kids off at school, then rushed back here to attend our podcast. Thanks for coming. I appreciate, I, I appreciate it. Lauren, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank what you, you. What are you up to? Um, well, I am three hours ahead of Jen. So I have already worked for my morning and um, now I'm here. And you can't see Lauren, but Lauren has on like a bright, what, what was it, orange? Yeah. Shirt and blonde hair and she just looks so fancy today. Oh, thank you. You look nice. Who are you? I don't know. <laughs> what am I, chopped liver over here? Uh, you know, <laughs> before we even started recording this podcast, Jen pops on and we're recording over video and she's like, Annie, what's going on with your hair? <laughs> so rude. Like That's because you always look so glamorous and I always look like a hot mess and it was just so shocking to me to arrive and see a fellow hot mess over video. I, What's going on? I feel like I look pretty good. I don't see a hot mess when I look in the mirror. <laughs> you had like sex hair. You had like, you had, like it was it was wild. Like your hair's been rubbing around on a pillow for the last five minutes. <laughs> it's it's post CrossFit hair is what it is. Which oh. has some similarities, I guess. Um, Minus the sex. Uh, Anyways, uh, we have a special guest. Jacqueline, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You are a member of Healthy Habits Happy Moms, correct? Yes, I am. And tell us about your profession. What do you do? I'm a registered dietitian, and I've worked in lots of different areas of nutrition. And so... My background is in school nutrition and community health, but right now I'm working in long-term care and doing some health education. So that's a lot of different areas, and I feel like it kind of gives me a little bit of a unique perspective to kind of speak on a few different topics. Absolutely. And you're um, from Saskatchewan, right? Yes. Okay. I, I, I know you can, you Canadians are gonna make fun of me for Annie, saying you've that. been there. You've been to Saskatchewan. We say I Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. I, uh, Lauren, how do you say it? Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah, you said it right. Oh. What, how did I say it? Saskatchewan? I'm not sure, but you had a grimace on your face as you were saying it. Like you were just like painfully trying to get it to roll. You know what? I had some of the best poutine from uh, McDonald's drive-thru when I was in Saskatoon. So <laughs> yes, I hate McDonald's gravy. <laughs> well, I didn't. I don't. I. It was my first time having poutine. I. I like. I had. I mean, it was great. It was wonderful. And you set the bar kind of low, so I think you can go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's actually a poutine place in Saskatoon, right downtown, which I will take you guys to when we next time we're all we all go to Saskatoon. I would love to go back because we have quite the community there um, of women, and it's a nice nice town. It's huge. Yeah. We call it Saskatoon. We call it the birthplace of healthy habits, happy moms. Yeah. Oh. The majority of our community is from there. Um, and then when I check my stats on my followers, it's Saskatoon. And I think Annie's <laughs> yours. <laughs> Annie lives in Des Moines, Iowa, and the majority of her followers are also from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I know. I feel like um, I feel like a, maybe I have a little bit more celebrity status in Canada than I do in my hometown. 
I need, I need to check mine. <laughs> Lauren. I'm sure it will also be special. <laughs> Little sister Lauren has to be has yeah. to be included. Okay, yeah. let's. Um, so Jacqueline, the reason why we wanted to have you on the podcast, what I mean, many reasons, and we have a variety of topics that we could discuss, but we really want to get your uh, perspective on what to look for in your child's nutrition education. So we're talking about when we have school age kids, preschool to adolescence. Um, what are they talking about in schools as far as nutrition, food? Um, education, what to do if we have concerns as parents, what to do if they aren't talking about it at all, or if they're just, we feel they're totally missing the mark, which I know Jen and Lauren both have had some experiences uh, with the messages that maybe their schools were talking about as far as nutrition. And uh, that's kind of your wheelhouse. So let's jump right into it. Um, what to look for in your child's nutrition education. Your first point you want to talk about is, are the activities age appropriate. And you noted that are they focusing on teaching about food rather than nutrition? Can you talk to us about that? Yes. So um, a lot of it can be really age dependent. So we know that in early elementary school and preschool ages, children's brain development is different than what adults can kind of comprehend. So they have very concrete brains and think very black and white. Um, so at this age, we really want to focus on positive food experiences and kind of learn through being around healthy foods and being involved in food prep rather than looking at, you know, what nutrients do we get from our food, that kind of thing. Excellent. What, uh, at what age do you think talking about the nutrients and the actual like makeup of food becomes more appropriate? I think as kids kind of get into their later elementary school, you can kind of start to teach that, um, you know, or even early elementary, you can kind of talk about how food is fuel for the body, but still kind of stay away from the specifics. Um, but really, honestly, I wouldn't start talking about nutrients or what specific things we get from our food until I would say middle school, high school, that, that sort of age. And would you say the same is true for parents as well, like parents and teachers that those guidelines apply? Oh, definitely. They, okay. Kids learn the most through kind of what we do and how we structure our meals and the routines that we have rather than from actually talking about food. Jacqueline, um, I was actually just discussing this with somebody yesterday and we were talking about how Really, when you want to talk about the different uh, macro or micronutrients in food, it, it's it's very much about chemistry. And so, um, you know, I look at my son who's eight years old and he's not learning chemistry yet. So it's kind of confusing, I think. Yeah. And abstract concepts like, um, like vitamins and minerals and um, even adults have a hard time understanding them. So why would we expect like a young kid to understand? Like they might be able to like regurgitate things that they've heard, like um, calcium is good for my bones. But if you actually ask them why, they have, really have no idea. They're just kind of right. parroting what they've yeah, right. what they've heard for sure. Um, so I guess I should have maybe addressed this before we jumped right into it. But um, do you have any thoughts on who should be providing this information in the classroom? I mean, is this something teachers are doing or uh, is this information that you think should be reserved for a school nurse or a health teacher? Or is that, again, age dependent? What is your opinion on that? I think if the teacher feels confident, this is definitely within their realm of, um, of understanding as long as they're using very credible resources and that are current and are written by those who really work in the field and understand nutrition. So I think that they can definitely do a great job if they're open to kind of learning about these topics. Um, by all means, like inviting uh, like good guest speakers is a great idea if they have the opportunity um, to do so. Yeah. So what would you look for in a, say, a guest speaker um, to come in? Because, so, because I guess what I, I don't want to like, say anything I'm not supposed to, but I guess in my experience, there are, um, you know, whether there's just different healthcare professionals, whether it's a doctor or a registered dietitian, 
who practice very differently and some I would want talking to my children and some I would would not? Absolutely. So personally, I would want someone who's trained in nutrition specifically, not just a healthcare professional. And anyone can be educated on how to address these concepts as well. But I think that does give a little bit more or it kind of you're a little bit more sensitive to some of these topics if you have specific training in nutrition. And even within the realm of dietitians, I would ask for someone who understands like a health at every size mindset and the importance of being body positive and just looking at uh, healthy habits instead of diets as well. So um, there can be a little bit of variation among um, health professionals, just like any area as well. Yeah. I would definitely look at what their credentials are as well. Like there's also a whole nother realm of nutrition professionals, quote unquote, um, who maybe are self-taught or maybe don't quite have the same level of education in this area. So just like we wouldn't, you know, have a teacher teaching our children who don't have their certification, we, we wouldn't want to just invite anyone who doesn't have the education. Absolutely. And I think if my memory serves me correctly, the Health at Every Size website, which we can link in our show notes, has a resource tab, doesn't it? Where it can tell you some providers uh, in your in your community. Although I'm not sure how extensive that list is. Right. If it's, I have zero in my community. Yeah. I've looked. So, yeah. But that could be a good starting point if you're looking for um, – I mean, even if you're looking for a personal just healthcare provider, like a general – a general health doctor for yourself, um, that, that could be a good starting point. I like that suggestion, which kind of leads right into another one of your, uh, one of your guidelines is does the education, what you just said, does the education focus on healthy habits rather than healthy weight? Um, and noticing any diet talk, weight talk that you would argue or that you would note that that's a red flag. Yes, absolutely. Um, A lot of people or a lot of people have their own struggles around nutrition and we just want to make sure that we aren't conveying those and um, demonstrating or we want to make sure that we are not bringing our own biases into the classroom. Um, So that can actually happen and we know that everyone has the absolute best intentions and goals for our children, right? We all want them to grow up to be happy and healthy and have a positive relationship with food, um, but just trying to keep the focus on, on health and not on size and weight. So um, actually an interesting story was I was in a grade eight classroom a couple years ago. And um, while we were talking about nutrition, the teacher actually piped up like, you know, maybe we should all be eliminating our carbohydrates because they're not as good for exercise. And <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I had to really <laughs> control my facial expression, but that was a really good opportunity learning opportunity for me to actually kind of dispel that myth and talk about how all foods are really great for our bodies and there's no foods we should be avoiding. Um, and actually, you know, the opposite is true. Um, but yeah, no, that was kind of eye opening for me as a young dietitian to kind of hear that as I was in the classroom that he was bringing his kind of diet bias, um, into the topic. Yeah. Lauren, you have a similar experience. Do you want to share that about what happened with Elliot? Yeah. So I have a daughter who just started preschool this year. And so I was not expecting to have to deal with this for like at least a few more years. Um, But I had brought her a snack in the car. And um, if you listen to the last podcast, sometimes we talk about having um, like treat snacks, and then like regular snacks. So I had brought her a couple of donuts to have um, on the way home. And she piped up in the back seat and said, my teacher said donuts are bad for you. And I'm glad she couldn't see my face <laughs> because she was in the back seat because my face just like dropped. And um, like I said, I was not prepared for that to come out of her mouth. And luckily, I had been kind of reading up on this topic, and um, I have been following Ellen Satter for a few years now. And so what I told her was um, just that 
you know what, different people eat different foods, but that doesn't mean that any foods are bad for us. And you really don't have to worry about what's, what kind of food is good or bad for you right now. I think about that when I plan your, your meals. And she just said, oh, okay. And ate her donuts. But yeah, I was not prepared for that. And then of course I was fuming, you know, like what is being taught at my kid's preschool. So I did talk to the teachers and she actually never said anything about donuts being bad. Um, they were reading a book about vegetables and then they were showing flashcards and the teachers were saying, you know, fruits and vegetables and meats and milk, etc., help our bodies grow. And chips and donuts and cookies are really yummy, but they don't help us grow. Which, I mean, and what my daughter got from that was donuts are bad. So, like, that really just illustrates that even if you're not specifically saying a certain food is bad, at that age, that's what they're getting out of it. Oh, that is such a great point. And it definitely reinforces that that abstract thinking of, you know, a good food. If I eat a good food, it thinks it makes me feel like I'm a good person. And if I yeah. eat a bad food, I must be a bad person. And, I mean, think about the messages that might send to our kids and, um yeah, that kind of just breaks my heart that. <laughs> the other thing is that kids, you know, what they really desire is um, love and connection from the adults around them. And so um, they will start um, changing their eating behaviors in order to please the adults in their lives, right? So, And also um, kids want cookies and chips and donuts so if they think that they're bad and that's what they are wanting you know like what's wrong with me that that's what I want and that is bad but hey we see this in grown women too Mm -hmm. like this is it's like starts in childhood but then we see in grown women how how ashamed they feel for having a donut you know with their coffee you know in the afternoon and it's like yeah so it Rolls on. I actually read a statistic the other day that said that children as young as four years old report feeling guilt and shame when they eat those quote unquote forbidden foods. That is heartbreaking. It is. But Lauren, I have to say, I really love your response of, um, I'm, I consider that when I put foods on your plate and when I give you treats and snacks and foods and meals, I, I'm already thinking of that for you. I just, I think that's such a, a loving, caring response as a mother that you gave her. Like that she doesn't have to worry about that. That's your job. And I I I right. I love it. High five. I do too. It's a burden <laughs> that high five. It's a burden that children shouldn't have to take on. And I think it's mm-hmm. lovely to say, you don't have to worry about this. I'm your mom. I got this. Yeah. Why does that make me emotional? It's <laughs> <laughs> so sweet, Lauren. <laughs> I have a heart, guys. (laughs) It also, I mean, their job is to really trust their care providers too and or, you know, their teachers, their parents. And that's just establishing and, and um, yeah, just encouraging that trust relationship. Absolutely. Um, We kind of just, this kind of connects to another one of your guidelines of things to look for in your child's nutrition education, but does the language avoid judgment and emphasize that all foods fit? And that's kind of what we were talking about with the good foods, bad foods, and foods having uh, moral value. And when I eat good foods, I'm a good person. Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Jacqueline? Um, Yeah, I guess just focusing on, you know, the joy and how lucky we are that we have so many wonderful foods, whether it's pizza or bananas or, or anything. And just, you know, um, kind of keeping all foods to be really neutral, I would say. I like that a lot. I think that's uh, just caring. When I think about these guidelines, carrying on into adolescence and adulthood, like these are just really good kind of foundational relationship, uh, w- relationship guidelines with food to have that just hopefully really benefits them as adults. Mm -hmm, I wish I I had had these. Um, Okay, moving on. Do the messages emphasize body positivity, size diversity, and media literacy? Tell me more about that. I think um, if the classroom or in the classroom, we can kind of talk about how everyone is built genetically differently. 
um, talk about the, the body ideals we see in, in magazines and, um, you know, how they don't represent our population as a whole. Um, and I think that gives us a good, um, it's a good place to really talk about how, you know, we have successful people of all shapes and sizes, even if our, you know, the media and TV doesn't um, want to celebrate that the same way. I'm really conscious of that in our house. Um, so um, the other thing is that I'm tall and thin. And so I've sort of thought about how my kids, they see like thin women, you know, on TV and in books and, you know, kind of everywhere. Um, and then I'm also thin. And so I'm very conscious of um, trying to have things around that, have women of different sizes. So one book I have is Jade Beale's Beautiful Body Book. It's just kind of a coffee table book that has photos of women, um, you know, breastfeeding and, you know, just, it's, it's like a postpartum body book. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm really conscious of that. Like my kids being exposed to different body diversity and also um, answering their questions when they, when they have them, because um, again, being like a thinner woman, a thinner woman, um, and me being the only, you know, really the only woman in their life as their mom, I'm their point of reference. And my kids have asked me questions, like they ask me questions about other people's bodies all the time, like why is she so big? And like, and it's just like, but you know, I do deal with it very neutrally, and um, and yeah, I think what what people don't, what a lot of people don't think about around media literacy is that the vast majority of women's bodies in the media, so whether you're watching a movie with your kids or um, even reading just picture books, are it's it's um, not all body sizes are represented, and so um, it's just something to think about and keep in mind. And you know that kind of made me think of um, when we had uh, Bethany on our Fat Phobia podcast, Jen. One of the suggestions she offered, I think it was her, uh, said she really likes to create a safe space in her home for children to ask questions about different bodies, um, whether it be their size, their shape, their abilities, uh, disabilities. And I really like that. So it's like it's not that we can't like you know, talk about bodies or comment on other people's bodies. But, you know, like I, I, if you have a question about someone's body, know that you can come to me in the privacy of our own home and we can talk about it. You know, maybe we don't talk about it in public in front of them and make a big spectacle about it, but that, you know, it's, we can ask questions because they're curious. They want to know they they just have questions. And it doesn't, you know, it just shouldn't need to be this taboo subject either. So you don't want to go to either extreme where, you know, we should never talk about bodies uh, but we want to talk about them in a positive way and kind of emphasize the and celebrate the diversity that we have in our culture and um, yeah, around us. The other thing I was just thinking about is how um, so beyond nutrition, um, the nutrition curriculum your child might be hearing. Um, there's other classes and subjects where this might come up. So somebody posted in Healthy Habits Happy Moms the other day that a teacher, a biology teacher, um, their assignment for the day was to graph everybody's weight on a no. scale. I missed that. No. Really? Yes. And it's like, yeah, and we're talking like, I think her daughter was a bit older, maybe like grade eight-ish, but like, whoa, like the, like... So it, it kind of infiltrates everywhere. And maybe that biology teacher, maybe maybe it was a man that was not aware of, you know, because men don't seem to be as weight sensitive or whatever. But um, anyway, so she was just talking about how her daughter was the heaviest in the class. And it was just, it was a, it was just like a traumatic experience for her. And so, yeah, I just think... Um, you know, think about it beyond nutrition, even, um, even in phys, like in phys ed, you don't, you know, there's like, because everybody, everybody brings their biases everywhere. I bring my biases in. So you just, yeah, to really think about it beyond even the nutrition curriculum. And even just in our general conversations too, like, um, you know, kind of watch how we talk about our own bodies, even if we're not directly talking about someone or our child's body. So, how we talk about our own bodies or our, our friends or those we see can, can impact as well and um, can kind of spread some of these messages. And, and that can make a child kind of internalize 
oh, well, if they think that about their own, well, then maybe I'm going to grow up to think that. Or it kind of creates a fear of, uh, it can create a fear of, you know, body change and becoming maybe a certain size or weight. I think the way some women talk about their bodies, even when they think their children aren't listening, I think creates a fear in little girls and a dread of, you know, becoming a woman, really, like going through puberty and having babies. Like just the way we speak about it is um, so negative. Okay, the last one you have, uh, the last guideline recommendation you have for what to look for in your child's nutrition education, um, and of course, this is like my favorite, is movement discussed for enjoyment rather than exercise. Yes. So focusing on, um, you know, a child's strength and their capability and finding pleasure in movement rather than their benefits on their on their weight or their size or their health even. Um, I mean, think about us even as adults. Like, I know the recommendations is to get 60 minutes of physical activity per whatever, right? But does that mean that that's going to change what I do necessarily? Um, It can, but probably me enjoying exercise is going to have a bigger impact. Um, And also kind of kids can also take that, um, you know, those guidelines around the numbers and take it very literally too. Like I recently heard a story where a child came home and told his mom, mom, my teacher said, I should be getting 60 minutes of physical activity a day and you have to make sure I do it, do that. And the child's like, kid, you never stop moving. Like that is not your job to worry about. Um, You know, you know, I create those opportunities for you and you just have to enjoy the, you know, activities that we do. And so I just kind of thought that was very interesting to hear. Well, and, and how kids exercise looks, can look really different than how adults exercise. They're not going to aerobics, they're not usually going to aerobics classes or CrossFit classes. They're out riding their bikes or, you know, playing football with the neighborhood kids or basketball or swinging, you know, running on playgrounds. Like they're just, you know, they're moving. They're just not maybe in a structured exercise class. I feel like my kids are at a CrossFit class all day long when I watch them. I'm like, oh, that looks exhausting. Even um, watching my toddler run around the house, like I'm getting tired. <laughs> yeah. Like it's exhausting taking all of the clothes that I have folded out of the laundry basket and then dumping them in now. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but, uh, you know, I think this one is really, this hits home. Obviously I love to exercise. Um, but I think one of the reasons I love to exercise is because I grew up in a household that was, uh, focused on athletics. And so that was just, you know, I, I, we love sports. Like that's just what my family enjoyed. And so exercise or sports was how we got our exercise and playing sports to me was really fun. And so that's why just moving my body has always been a way to really embody my body and made me feel really powerful and given me confidence. And, you know, I, one of the questions we get a lot in healthy habits, happy moms is, what kind of exercise should I do? Or what, what's the best exercise for weight loss? What's the exer- best exercise for building strength or, you know, fill in the blank. And nine times out of 10, our answer is what do you enjoy? And because enjoyment trumps so much when it comes to exercises, if you actually enjoy what you're doing, you're so much more likely to engage in it. And, um, I think that's a really great tip for kids. When you consider kids, like exercise can be enjoyable and it can feel like play and, and often is play. And that's a great way to develop some really great habits of movement early on in life. Absolutely. I dig it. Lauren and Jen, do you have anything to add to those guidelines before we move on? Um, the only, I have a question actually. Um, and my question is, so what do you do when you find out that your children's nutrition education in their school is subpar or harmful? Like what steps can you take? Where do you turn? Um, I think the first thing that I would do if it, if, you know, I was that parent is kind of just start the conversation, um, you know, have a conversation with the teacher um, you know, talk to the principal, not, not to tattle, but to kind of get a wider audience and to kind of raise the awareness of how these messages may kind of impact our, our kids. And, um, and then after that, I would kind of start looking at how can I be or have a role in, in advocating and 
um, and working with the school and working in the community because I think it really is a joint effort and I think teachers do an um, absolute amazing job with the resources they have and um, they have such a, a huge role and impact in our, our child's life. I think it's kind of it's up to everyone to kind of promote these concepts and um, you know to try and um, yeah bring these um, raise awareness about these messages. Absolutely. That's a good question. Jen, you kind of had an experience with that recently. Do you want to share that? Yeah. So it was around Christmas time this past year when my son was started reading labels of things coming out of our fridge. And I thought it was strange. He'd never even noticed them before. And he was telling me what is healthy and what is unhealthy in our fridge. And he wasn't looking at the whole label. He wasn't looking at protein, carbs, sodium, you know, fat. He was looking, he was zeroing in on the sugar and reading how many grams of sugar were in each thing. And then, and then making his decision on that. So you know, he opens up the fridge, grabs the jug of milk, reads how much sugar is in it, turns to me and tells me, mom, this milk is really unhealthy. Do you see how much sugar is in here? And I was extremely triggered <laughs> and, and um, I was just sort of fumbled with it. I, I was like, well, there's different types of sugars and there's sugars in fruits and there's sugars in vegetables. And, um, I, you know, I was kind of like, there's natural sugars and then there's the sugar we might add to cookies, but you know, that's okay sometimes too. We, we don't eat cookies for every, for every single meal. And I just really fumbled with it. And I wanted to go and talk to his teacher, but I felt very nervous about it. I guess I felt like she's the educator. She knows. Um, and like many women, I don't like confrontation or uncomfortable situations. So I kind of just left it until my younger son, who is six and in kindergarten, announced um, sometime in January that he is no longer eating yogurt. Yogurt is too unhealthy. It has too much sugar in it. Then I was like, okay, enough is enough. I need to go in and talk to the school and see what's happening here. So I went into my son's teacher and I opened up this conversation um, and I talked about my own history um, because I also, I remember getting nutrition lectures when I was younger that affected me and um, told her what we were experiencing at home. And she, um, my son's teacher, homeroom teacher, wasn't the one that gave the education, it was actually the phys ed teacher. And she was surprised um, and yeah, just very, like very surprised and said she would talk to the phys ed teacher about it. And then, but then she, but then when I questioned why they were even having those conversations, what does an eight-year-old need to know about food labels for? She told me it's in the curriculum. And then she showed me, she pulled out the textbook and showed me what they're basically required to teach. And I was like, and some of it, it was, you know, a lot of it would align with what I would say because you know, it did talk about the whole picture of health. So it talked about sleep and eating well and um, talking to somebody if you're feeling sad. But and so that's amazing. But then then it, then we would turn a page and it would be like, you are what you eat and have a, oh. a pictures of junk food. And it's like and it's like, whoa, like this is. And, you know, but it's in the curriculum. So what? And I so I pointed that message out to her and I said, this is terrible. And she said she was just kind of like, yeah, it is kind of terrible. And she said, well, just so you know, the kids don't see this. This is just, you know, my textbook to follow. And I, I just yeah, it was really tough. So after that, I went and talked to the principal and I asked if I could put something together for them. Um, and I've actually been waiting for this podcast so I could include <laughs> this podcast and, and, um, and they were just so receptive to it because they're all parents too. And they all want to do the right thing, right? Everybody wants to do the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. They just need the right guidance. And so my school was so open to talking about this more and learning more. And, and I'm really stoked about it. I think that there's areas where nutrition curriculum can be improved um, and that you kind of need that advocacy at, at a higher level. So, I mean, those circumstances, I would maybe even, you know, ask to see or ask to see if you can get the help of someone who works maybe at the Ministry of Education, if they have that, or in health promotion in healthcare. Because really, we should be teaming up to create the curriculum for health and nutrition because um, I think it is just so important. 
Um, another thing, actually, um, there's the feeding doctor, if you've ever heard of her, um, Katya Rawal online, and she has some good kind of information and tips. And she actually says to parents that, um, you know, I think it's your right to ask parent or ask what they're going to be teaching before they talk about nutrition. And she says, you know, they need to have send a note home for things like sex ed. And, you know, nutrition is important um, just as much as those um, kind of concepts that we're teaching. So um, I thought that was really interesting and we wouldn't typically think about it like that, but. I think it's, you know, in, and people have to understand like zoom out big picture and think about what your kids are learning in the context of the world we live in. Like we live in a world that's obsessed with nutrition and perfect eating and diet culture dominates our nutrition conversations rather than actually speaking about nutrition where what most people are actually doing is speaking about dieting. And so you have to understand that in the context, you know, this is like, this is extremely important. It's, I think kids need to have these moderation and balance messages um, right up and down the line because that's not what they're hearing in the mainstream. Like what they're hearing in the conversations in the mainstream are about dieting, what's good, what's bad, what bodies are good, what bodies are bad. And it's so important that the people that they're attached and connected to are um, reiterating body positivity, pos you know, teaching positive body image and a balanced approach to fitness and nutrition, right? Absolutely. And also recognizing where the messages are coming from, not even just in the school, but in how foods and messages are being marketed to kids directly. Um, I mean, we could talk a whole nother. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Too. But um, I think there's, there's ways for parents to kind of get involved and try and address those at the, at the younger levels. Um, when, when I was working with the schools, I actually had a group of youth and, and parents, we worked on, you know, looking at where do we get food messages in our community and in our school and what does that look like? So they actually um, went around the community and we took cameras and we took pictures of food and um, nutrition messages and marketing to kids at the school, at the convenience store, the, the sports center. And they were able to kind of bring those findings and present them to their, their school and their, um, school board and even in the community. So I thought that was a really great way that um, that's a, they can raise awareness about how we're marketing foods to kids and um, indirect messages can have consequences too. Yeah. Uh, one of the ways I got involved, um, my children's school has a health and wellness committee. And uh, I don't know, I don't know if that's a, a school, like a state school standard uh, that all schools in our state need to have. But I know quite a few schools in our area have a wellness committee. And the purpose of it is to serve both the students and the staff. And uh, the committee has to have uh, X number of parents, administrators, teachers. And then we even have had uh, my kids school goes up to eighth grade. So part of the eighth grade curriculum is that they need to join some of the committees. So we even have a couple students involved and we just meet like uh, maybe a couple times a year, but it's really just to make sure that we're uh, providing some opportunities for both the staff and the families to get involved in health and wellness. We plan a couple events, make sure. Um, and we, I would love to have you back on for another podcast because I'm sure we could talk about treats in school and treats as rewards uh, for a whole nother hour. But uh, we have some guidelines about that per our school um recommendations about, you know, when treats are offered and at what hours and in what circumstances. And I joined that and it felt really good to kind of have uh, my hand in there. And uh, th I thought that was a great way to be a part of the solution and kind of stay in the know about what's going on in the classrooms, even outside of just my children, but in the grades above and below them. I think that's an awesome suggestion. Yeah. Awesome. Well, ladies, uh, anything else to add? Um, can we do like a quick sum up of how we like, Annie, could you just read, you know, read the four points? Um, yeah. Yeah. And five. sorry, five points. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. um, and then if Jacqueline, I wonder if Jacqueline could just do a quick sum up of like, um, sort of ish, uh, age ranges when she introduces, um, when it's appropriate to introduce certain nutrition strategies. 
Yeah, absolutely. So here uh, is a quick review of what Jacqueline recommends to look for in your child's nutrition education. Uh, The first one is, are the activities age appropriate? Does the language use um, the language used in the classroom avoid judgment? Emphasize that all foods fit, so no food are good or bad. Does the education focus on healthy habits rather than healthy weights? Do the messages emphasize body positivity, size diversity, and media literacy? And is movement discussed for enjoyment rather than exercise? Which are all just amazing guidelines. And the other thing I want to, I don't think we've super touched on this, but like why this is so important in case people haven't listened to our past podcasts, because we do talk about this a lot. It's that um, we are, we have found, research has found that um, the messages that children are getting about food are really harming them. Jacqueline, did you want to say anything about that? Anything that you observe or see or stats you know about? Um, Yes, actually. um, When I was looking into this recently, um, I actually found a stat that said about 11% of high school students have actually been diagnosed with an eating disorder. And we know they're even underdiagnosed. And even looking at younger grades, um, about half of nine to 11 year olds have either sometimes or very often been on diets. And um, of those, about 80% of their family members have. So I think that we, um, you know, that's a culture that we live in, but I think that just making small steps to try and improve these messages can be important. And also I wanna say that, um, you know, we don't say this to, to um, produce shame or, or guilt in parents. We know that we all do the best with the information and that we have. So, but, um, you know, spreading positive messages can, can help make improvements. And it's never too late to try and change some of these messages you see or hear um, your kids receiving. Absolutely. Right. As a parent, um, I have changed my nutrition philosophies drastically with my kids, which we've talked about on previous podcasts. Um, And I think it's okay to acknowledge um, if your kids notice a change, because if they're older, they may notice a change. I think you just acknowledge, um, you know what, we have new information now and we're going to be doing things a bit differently. And it shows them that they don't have to be perfect as they grow older. You know, as a parent, they're going to learn and grow and um, they don't, you know, everyone's kind of learning <laughs> yes. at the same time. Absolutely. I think that was uh, kind of the message echoed in our Hillary McBride podcast, too. It was more so about body image, but it was that uh, kids don't need us to be perfect. They just need us to be, you know, consistent and honest and authentic. And engaged. And, yeah. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. You just say, I made a mistake. Just, mm-hmm. just as we would encourage our kids to, you know, I, I know, I know better and now I can do better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Anything? So, and I just want to reiterate too, like last thing, just leave everybody with this is, um, Jacqueline, when would you hope, like, what would you hope to see? When would you want to see, um, schools or curriculums moving away from, or not moving away, but moving towards teaching more about the science of nutrition. Yes. So um, these are just kind of my ideas. And I think there's different ways to approach it. Um, But um, Ellen Satter actually suggests not to teach about nutrition until high school even. So I know that there may be some nutrition concepts that are appropriate in later elementary. uh, But what um, I would kind of focus on for the different age groups is in preschool, um, really looking at the food experiences like we talked about earlier, um, learning about, about food in general. So something I would do when I visited preschool and younger elementary school classes is I would bring a food with me at a presentation and I'd be like, pass it around and they have to try and like feel it through a paper bag and try and guess what it is. And then we would take the food out and they would describe it. What does it look like? Um, and then I would show them a picture of where it grows. Uh, pineapple is actually the one that I would do um, often because that's the one that you typically know what it is. They would get really excited. <laughs> um, and then you look at, you know, let's, let's cut it up. Like, why not? Right. Let's taste it. Let's see what, you know, do you notice any difference between 
this pineapple versus the maybe the stuff in the can like and just kind of explore foods you can also connect it to what they're learning already so there is an alphabet um book about nutrition i don't can't remember what it's called um where it looks at the abcs of different foods um and then i would also kind of look at you know how are we promoting a healthy environment so they learn through observing not necessarily teaching so um you know do we have healthy foods available um you know do we always bring junk food into you know for exciting events are they getting the message that that's more important you know what are the messages we're sending indirectly um so that's kind of preschool early elementary um as they kind of get into their later elementary schools i would kind of start teaching maybe some principles of variety encouraging them to try new foods um there's kind of like gentle peer pressure <laughs> when they see their friends trying foods that might encourage them to try it um as well and without you know encouraging them to try it without pressure so they they feel that they can say no if they try one bite and they don't like it um and teaching that you know food is fuel for our body so kind of relating back to your story that you know cookies provide fuel mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah bananas yeah. so do eggs they all provide fuel for their everything body. contributes right yes and then you know as they kind of get older teaching about you know the biological diversity you know how our ideals change have changed throughout history um and then i wouldn't even start talking about science of nutrition personally until high school and maybe okay. talking about food digestion and but still being really cautious of the messages that we're sending that um yeah i would avoid um talking numbers in like at all like okay. i know there's one activity where they have to kind of look at the foods that they're eating at home and compare it to a food guide and um now this is my this might be controversial but this is my personal opinion that we don't need to be counting servings of food right because yeah. that's not learning to listen to our own bodies and i right. know that's a controversial thing and we definitely shouldn't be comparing you know how much protein we're getting to the BRIs or the recommendations right so yeah i would still you guys we we didn't even that. we didn't even ask her to say that <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> did you talk about we didn't, we didn't no we did no it's just it's really in line with healthy habits happy moms and our balance yeah, 365 like you are messaging really, yeah and so it's just, it's perfect that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I love yeah. your Healthy Habits, Happy Moms community. And the only reason I would ever agree to be on a podcast is because I think the messages you're spreading are such great. Um, it's just, you guys are just doing such a great job. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So would you, would you um, talk to children and when would you talk about this? to listen to their body's cues so oh are you hungry are you you know are you full like would you bring that up or would you just i think it would depend if the if the situation arose i think kids intuitively they know how to listen to their bodies right. what we want to try and do is kind of avoid um you know teaching them otherwise really like right. they know what to do and they know how to listen to their bodies but right. um it kind of i mean this is kind of going off topic when you look at um we actually learn to not listen to our bodies. So right. mm -hmm. looking at the food rewards, looking at the, um, you know, you have to eat a certain amount and those types of concepts, those are kind of untraining them. But if the situation arose where, you know, maybe a kid, uh, for example, they're maybe elementary school, they say, mom, my tummy hurts. And you can kind of start asking questions like, well, why do you think that is? So, you know, well, what have you done today? And, you know, maybe they reveal that they ate a whole or half a package of cookies or something, um, you know, without, you know, blaming the cookies and be like, oh, you feel sick because it was the cookie. Yeah. You can be like, okay, well, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe that didn't make your body feel very good. And maybe that's something we can think about the next snack time, you know, trying to listen to our bodies um, and eat what feels good. So not blaming the cookies. Um, Cause I mean, if we ate a whole package of carrots, I don't think any of us would feel very good. Even though they no, I used to do healthy. that when I was a dieter. I used to eat packages of carrots because they are like a clean food. And um, 
And another woman in Balance 365 shared that with me that she used to binge on baby carrots because they were zero points in Weight Watchers. So she would just like binge on them. But I used to get the worst stomach aches after I would eat all my carrots. High fiber. And yeah, so (laughs) that's embarrassing. I'd be like, oh, I need a bathroom now. This is kind of an embarrassing story, but I'm going to share it anyways. <laughs> but like, I love snap peas. And for some reason, I just never ate them much growing up. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, I can just buy what I want. <laughs> One time I ate a whole bag of snap peas before a softball game. And I never felt so sick <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah. Oh, I love this point. Um, the other thing is uh, I follow Ellen Satter's guidelines as well, and that's what we recommend, and we have a whole section of Mount 365 about it, how to feed your kids, family, all based on the Ellen Satter education that Lauren has. And um, anyways, so we implemented the Halloween treat thing several years ago as I was transitioning my nutrition philosophies. Um, and so we got home from trick-or-treating, and the first night I let my kids just – Um, go to town and of course they went savage on that candy because I had been the most restrictive mother ever around treats and so you know that's a typical response when you never have access to candy and all of a sudden you have a big bag of it you're gonna go crazy so my son my oldest son ate until he threw up and I, it was so hard for me to sit back and I was just trusting the guidelines, trusting this is going to be a long-term strategy for us that will work out. And I just did that. I just said, oh, like, why do you think you feel sick? And, um, you know, and he answered his own questions. I think I ate too much Halloween treats. Oh, what would you do differently? I would probably eat a little bit less. And yeah, so it was just, it was good. So I just, I just stood back and let him come to his own conclusions. Um, And we had another incident like that recently. (laughs) And I just try to remind myself that that's how they learn. Like you have to make mistakes and we make mistakes. Like we overeat sometimes and we have to go, oh, that didn't feel very good. Um, But our kids need to experience that too, to understand that, to, you know, to learn, right? Yeah. And by providing that structure and those guidelines, you're kind of giving them a safe environment to learn. Yeah. Um, and grow in that. Yeah. Awesome. This is a good talk. It was so good. There was a, I hope we can talk to you again, Jacqueline. I know. I, I, come on again. I would love to have you back on because I think we could talk a lot about what goes on at lunchtime uh, with the volunteers in the lunchroom and oh, what's served man. and how it's offered. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier with treats in school too, I think I, I'm certain you have a lot of great suggestions and thoughts and ideas around those topics. So will you come back another time? Sure, I will. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks awesome. for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And Jen and Lauren, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Yes. yes. All right. Bye, ladies. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening today. If you aren't a member already, Jen, Lauren, and I would love to invite you to join our free private Facebook community of nearly 40,000 women worldwide. It's a great place to ask questions and get support. You can find us on Facebook at Healthy Habits, Happy Moms. If you enjoyed what you heard today and need more support, check out our popular habit coaching program, Balance 365, at balance365.co. And if you really like what you heard today, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes so we can continue to bring you more amazing episodes. Thank you.